chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. No? Yes? There we go. I'm on. Good. Okay. So thank you for having me, first of all. And I just wanted to introduce myself for those who don't know me. My name's Callum. I'm the eldest son of Sarah. And oh, and my dad, Roger. Yes. <laughs> Being pointed. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and I grew up here. I've grew up in this church and we, I left about six years ago to go and pursue ministry. I spent two years in London. I met my wife there during those years and we got engaged. And then through Sue, McNeil, Sue Fallon and Emmanuel International, we then went and spent six months in Brazil. Came back, got married here. And then after a couple of months working, we went to move to Brussels, Belgium. And I began my studies in theology. So I spent the past three years studying theology in Belgium in a Pentecostal seminary, and I actually graduate in June. And during that time, I, we, we felt God was leading us, and we, through a contact, um, found ourselves planted in joining a church community in Antwerp, planted into this church. And so we started for the past two years, we've been serving in this church, and it's all been unpaid voluntary because the... Belgium churches don't have much resources, so my wife serves at the worship pastor, I serve as an associate pastor, and we give a lot of our time trying to build this church, and this is what we do alongside with my studies. With that, um, my wife also spends time doing refugee, helping refugees, she's a buddy program to, many, to a Syrian couple, and she also helps work with Iranian couples, and we have about 10 different Iranian couples in our church. And actually, we've seen nine of them come to faith in our church. So we, we are in this place of this very international community. We live in a place called Hoboka, which is about 90% Moroccan and Turkish. And if you go along through the city, you also have a big Orthodox Jewish community. 
and into the centre is a very international, there's an international port in Antwerp, and we are actually located in just outside the centre, just and we serve to try and reach that community, but also the international community. So this is just kind of the context of the past six years that since I have left. The church has supported me through one way and another over these years. And I just first of all wanted to say thank you to Martin and the Timothy Trustee support over the past starting last year. So a big thank you, Sue, and also so you know who I am and my family. We have our daughter Alicia who's in um, Step Together and we are expecting our second child in August. So, yes. Um, today we're looking at Matthew on the triumphal entry. And as we heard beautifully from Peter, it's a very interesting story and there's a lot of details that you can pull out if you really spend time looking at it. And while I was reading it and while I was preparing, the story that, the thing that first stuck up to me was actually what Matt said was about the crowd and their reaction. And it was very interesting to see how they reacted and to look why they reacted that way. If you actually looked, if we could pull, sorry, I'm going to be cheeky. Could you pull the verse back up for me? Are you able to do that? If not, don't worry. Um, actually, in the verse, we saw they, the followers and the disciples were recognized something about Jesus. We saw, they saw something about him that made them react in a certain way. As you saw, there was this, Matt said, the Hosanna in the highest. There was a declaration being said about Jesus. And if we look at the passage, we know that the quote comes from the Old Testament. And this old text, this is a Messiah who's going to come to you on a donkey. As we sung, being the servant king. He is a servant coming on a donkey. But it wasn't just, a donkey wasn't something that was foreign to them. Riding on a donkey was very normal in the first century ancient Near East. Or Near East. Is riding on a donkey was something that royalty did when they came in peace. They would ride on a horse, a stallion or a big war horse when it was in war. But when it was in peace, they came on a donkey. So the donkey had a significant impact to saying, look, he's not coming to conquer as you may expect, but he's coming in peace to bring peace in a peaceful manner. So there was this aspect going on and the people should have been aware of this because princes in the ancient Near East and the Near East would have rode in donkeys when they entered cities in peace. So it's a very interesting story, and when we look at this, also from the context we know from John's gospel, this was also following the raising of Lazarus. So there was this big high among Jesus' followers. They would have just seen Jesus raise someone from the dead. So there was this enthusiasm. There was this, this, this kind of this ball got rolling, and they were kind of like, yes, Jesus has raised someone from the dead. We're seeing these miracles happen. Now we're going to march on to Jerusalem. So there was this expectation of the disciples. There are some things that don't always match up, though. Actually, in, the thing that I noticed while we was being read was when there was the Hosanna in the highest, the Hosanna in the highest was made by the ones following Jesus. And the ones following Jesus were his disciples, his followers. It was the crowd in front that were laying the, the, the psalms down and the cloaks on the donkey. So actually, there's different things going on with different parts of the story. It's not all-inclusive. So the Hosanna was done by those who believed in Jesus. 
which is actually to my first take-home. And in my church, we do take-homes because the whole point is that you can take something from the sermon. It's noteworthy for you to think about in the, the week or to apply into your life. And so take-home one is we need to understand Jesus for who he truly is. So the disciples got three years with Jesus. And actually, we know that after three years, they didn't really know who Jesus truly was until he descended and gave them the full understanding of Scripture. We know this in John's Gospel, or Luke's Gospel even, where it says the disciples did not know this, but until Jesus was glorified. So actually, this event was going on, and people kind of were gauging the idea of something is special about this man. Something is going on, but they didn't really gauge the full idea. Because we know this by their reaction at the very last verse of the story. But the whole verses that there was being cited were a messianic prophecy. So we see actually the crowds kind of gauged the concept that something special was going on. But they didn't fully grasp what was going on. Because if they'd fully grasped, they would have been going Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. But they weren't. They were saying he was a prophet of Nazareth. So there's this tension going on of there's this understanding in the physical, something special about this man. He's a prophet. He can do miracles. Cite a messianic verse, but don't call him the Messiah. So for us to think about is we as believers, sometimes we can see the physical. We see some things going on, but actually we're called to fully understand who Christ is as the Messiah, as our Lord and Savior. And this can be carried on through because Jesus was not a fancy teacher. He wasn't a wise man in a sense of human wisdom. People like who don't believe tend to say, oh, Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a nice man. His teaching was good, but that's not who Jesus was. He wasn't a fancy teacher. He wasn't a wise man. He was a Messiah who came to save. His teachings weren't wise to a human understanding. Because if you were to say, come, follow me, die to yourself, is not wise in a mental understanding. It's more than just human logic or reason. And we know this because, actually, I'm going to jump and go out of order here. Is here. We know this in Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus is talking about summing up the prophet, the law and the commands. He's bringing up the golden rule. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And this understanding of loving God goes beyond cognition, beyond understanding. Because your heart, in a Hebrew sense, is, your, is the center of who you are. And so the heart is more, it's not, just, it's not just your emotions. They break things down in a different way than we do. Your soul is the inner self, the spirit. Your strength is your actions, the things you do, your powers, your, the might, the abilities, your traits. And your mind, your mind does not cook just rational thinking. Hebrew, there is no Hebrew word for rational thinking. It's actually your kidneys. That's how they did it. And so they, there is no mind. The mind is actually cognitive and emotions. And this is followed up in the Greek with the word doikonia, is actually every time the word mind is, comes out, it's attached with an emotional word. So this undersu is more than just rational understanding. It's a holistic and all-encompassing love and understanding that he's requiring of his disciples. 
And the Jews would have understood this because they would have understood the terms that Jesus was using. And it's actually sometimes quite difficult for us to understand what Jesus is saying because we like to think of things with a very rationalistic understanding. And it's the same within the, when Jesus was coming in the don, on the donkey. This was, a, this was a stance that was more than that just met the eye. This wasn't just a rationalistic, okay, Jesus is riding on a donkey, click, 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 click. It makes sense. But we can see from the story, no, it didn't make sense because there was more than met the eye. And that is why we need to understand Jesus for who he truly is. And yes, there we go. I did actually have the text with me. Um, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, there you go, I have the text on John 12, 16. Our second take home for the day is actually when we understand who Christ is, we then need to be obedient in following. So in the text, if I have it, that's the loop, is the large crowd came to, fo- came to meet Jesus. So the crowd came. They took branches and went and met him. Jesus, here we are. We're quoting. But actually what they did is they followed it up with, their under- with this. They, they were showing a holistic understanding in a sense because not only were they saying it, they were doing it by laying things down. So their understanding followed in obedience. So whenever we understand who Christ is, we have to follow in obedience to that because our faith has to follow through in actions because loving God with our actions is part of being faithful. So this understanding of who Jesus was on the donkey and who Jesus was on the cross needs to follow through into our daily lives in obedience because understanding who Christ is is more than just a rational understanding. It's a life change. It's an obedience of the heart. It's an obedience of the the emotions, the actions, and your inner self. So this is what Jesus is coming and doing when he came on a donkey. He came knowing that he was going to die for our sins and call his people to follow him. And that's one of the best things of when we, if you look at it, is the symbolic sense of holding our own crosses. As Jesus said, come with your own cross and die to yourself and follow me. Jesus' cross was symbolic for himself, but it's also symbolic for us. To be his disciple, we have to die to ourselves. Understand Christ's death is more than just a logical thing that people get to wear, but it's an obedience that calls us beyond the things of the world to love Christ with everything that we are. And that is the gospel. The gospel that we follow is a Christ that came and died in humility. That's the element in peace on a donkey in humility as a suffering servant for us to follow likewise, to submit, to come in humility to the world, not to rationally say, yes, we have the answers that all make sense, because in in many sense it doesn't make sense unless you have the revelation given to you, unless we really get that being a Christian is more than just I come to Sunday, yes, Jesus is Lord, It's, it's more than that. It's understanding God with all that you are. Understanding that Christ is more than just a person. He is a man who, he is God as well as man. Something that we cannot fathom. Something that we cannot fully understand. And we have to, in many sense, accept that scripture contains things that we cannot understand. Accept that things are bigger than ourselves. That we came to live and the focus of life is for a purpose. 
not for understanding. Jesus came to live a life with a purpose. He didn't come to bring understanding. We know in his parables, he said, those who hear, let them hear. And those who see, let them see. Standing. He came to bring people to follow in obedience. And that's why when we do understand the basic level that Christ came and died, we need to then understand that we need to follow in obedience in everything that we are. And this Paul in Corinthians takes this further. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. So Christ came in, in this lovely, humble procession. But on the cross, he engaged in a triumphal procession because he went and sought victory over death and sin. So he came on the donkey in peace. He entered the cross in peace. But once he went to the grave, there was no more peace. He came up in victory in a triumphal procession, in war, in one over sin. And then Paul goes through, as, and we are captives to that. So prior to us becoming Christians, we were actually enemies to Christ. And Christ died so that he could win victory over the one we become a lead, a line, that we had aligned ourselves with, with death. And he won over death, and we came under Christ. So we are captives to Christ. We are slaves to Christ because Christ has died to win our lives over back to him. And so he says that we then uses us to spread the knowledge of the aroma. It is as on the cross that died for our sins. It's more than just meets the eye, but at the same time, we need to grasp the basic understanding and follow in obedience. And then take over three is we must live for his return. If you just looked at Jesus' life in a human sense, the first part, he kind of served no purpose. But actually, his death and resurrection is what serves our purpose. And we know this because Christ is coming back. The understanding and the obedience only makes sense when we live for the purpose of his return. To understand Christ's death and resurrection, how it applies to our lives and how our obedience has a purpose, only makes sense when we look at Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back in glory. We know this in Revelation 9 that he's riding a white horse. His eyes are flames on fire and heads are many di diadems. And he has his name written that no one knows but himself. See, Christ's name, only he knows. And he is clothed in a robe dipped with blood. That's being the blood of the sacrifice. And by the name of which he is called the word of God. We see we have a God that is beyond our understanding, who is coming back to redeem us to eternity. And that is the way in peace, because he was going, knew he was going to return in victory. And we in Antwerp, this is what we try to do, is we try to create a place where people can come and just know Christ and live out in relationship with the people around us. We start with the simple, come and know Jesus. Come and understand who he is. Come and understand why he died for you and why you can go and live out a life full of purpose in that. And there is freedom in that. And then when you understand these, then you can go deeper into the understanding of some of the depths in Scripture. Because if we don't get the foundation, the rest of it becomes worthless. If we don't understand the purpose, we just wander aimlessly as they did in the Exodus. So we need to understand that we need to understand who he is Obey that, 
and understand that that all comes within the purpose of Christ's return to judge the living and the dead. And how do we do this? Because we are representatives of the king. Jesus came and he was a representative. He was the visible image of the invisible God. He died and then as we come under him, he made us his representatives. This is a story all the way back from Eden. Adam and Eve were meant to be the representatives of God in the garden. That is the purpose that God has reconciled us back to that purpose, to be representatives of the king in his creation. And that representative means we bring the message of Christ to Southbourne, for us to Antwerp, to our jobs, to our colleagues, to our friends. It's not about converting them in rational thinking, but bringing the message. And this was the thing I understood. You can sit there, we can debate, we can argue, but it means nothing unless we actually live it out in obedience. <laughs> the thing we've seen in our church is people aren't converted by our, th our thinking or our way of talking. People believe in Jesus because they see it in our actions. The Iranians came to faith, not because we came with great words, but because we lived out Christ's message in obedience. They saw something that Islam did not have. They saw grace, they saw love, they saw freedom. And the obedience in Christ brings freedom to the world when we live in that because the message of Christ transforms our lives. And if we're not being transformed by the message, we don't understand it. And so the whole purpose of, our son of Sunday is to realign believers back to understanding who Christ is, to bring, be able for non-believers to come in and understand who Christ is, because when we understand who Christ is, we will want to live in obedience to that. And that obedience means we will be a representative to the people around us. And that means in Christ came in full obedience to the Father on a donkey. We too are called to come in full obedience to the Father in Southbourne. Thank you.